This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is now officially December, December 1, and so unlike what you thought happened yesterday, we didn't talk about Christmas. That was Theology Thursday. Yes, Theology Thursday. This is actually... Faithful Followers Friday, and we want to address a question that maybe nobody is asking, but I personally have had some encounters with this, but it's the question of should Christians celebrate should Christians celebrate Christmas? And first we're going to start with just a little story time. So back in the day, I before I was a minister, I was a high school teacher, and I was serving in the various churches that I had been uh, a member of, and I was in a PCA church in northwest Iowa, and I was serving as an elder, and I was relatively new to the church, and the previous Christmas, they had had um, a Christmas program of the kids on a Sunday afternoon and thought it was very tastefully done. It was I thought it was very nice. And it was in between the morning and evening services. They had this Christmas program. And I'm serving as elder. We're in the November meeting. And I thought it was really strange. I had not heard anybody talk about the Christmas program. Um, had not come up in, in, in church. It wasn't in the bulletin. Never talked about it in any of our leadership meetings. And so finally, I just raised the question at the meeting. I said, I, I'm sorry. Um, I I probably missed it, but... I haven't heard anything about the Christmas program, and we're getting pretty close. It feels like maybe we should be talking about it. And I said, well, but maybe you guys already have it under control. That's fine. Sorry, I just I don't know. And the minister turns to me and says, and this is the quote, Christmas is a stench in God's nostrils, end quote. At this point, I have no idea what's going on. I I'm don't glad he know. was clear, though. Yes, yes. I have like well, and that you knew where you stood. I was like, can you can you help me? I I don't quite know where you're at on Christmas, so if you could <laughs> clear that up for me. And at this point, an elderly gentleman, uh, a godly man that I respect dearly, slams his binder, stamps, stomps out of the room, and says, "If this is how this church is, then I want no part of it." And I'm just sitting there in stunned silence. Like, <laughs> what did I do? What did you do? That's a nice little piece behind the curtain you church leadership. Nick. You're like just stirring up trouble. And so then. Punching people. In yeah, the I'm glad St. Nicholas wasn't there. He would have punched, <laughs> punched me in the nose. Um, and that was my first exposure to somebody that was opposed to a Christian celebration of Christmas. Actually, several weeks later, we were babysitting the kids of this minister and they were in our home, and um, we have had a Christmas tree. We have done we live trees and had a tree in our house. And, and at that point, the girl, who was probably five, maybe six, 
is quoting to us how we are committing the sin of these people from the Old Testament and, and we're worshiping the tree and committing idolatry. And we're like, wow, that five-year-old didn't come up with that on her own. This is what the parents felt so strongly about it that they were teaching their five-year-old how a Christmas tree was a form of idolatry that was condemned by God and that we were idolatrous people. So the question is, should a Christian celebrate Christmas? I have a former pastor that would say, absolutely not. What would you guys say? I think it's important to understand that, I mean, there there are people on both sides of the question. And I think ultimately John MacArthur, you know, brings us out a little bit that it comes down to kind of a Romans 14 issue. There's consciences (laughs) at play and liberty of conscience. The truth is God has not commanded us to observe Christ's birth. It's nowhere in scripture that thou shalt observe the day of Jesus's birth. Um, so that's kind of where that camp comes from. It's um, as far as, you know, God has not commanded it, so we shouldn't do it. And a very strong opinion that God has given us a holy day in the church to observe, and that's Sunday. So it, it that camp, you know, it's, I think there's good intentions, and it's uh, one that, you know, they're they're trying out of a sense of we want to be observant of what God has given and only do what he's given. So. I think a helpful rubric to use is three R's. Uh, what can we receive from this? Uh, is there anything I need to reject outright about it? And then is there anything I can redeem about it? And I think as we think about the cultural Christmas celebration, it, it contains all three of those things. There are things that we can certainly receive as Christians, especially as it's connected to the birth of Christ mm-hmm. uh, by name. Um, there are things, however, that there's some, we might need to reject, just the outright commercialism, right? And just the gluttony. We talked about that last week. That, mm-hmm. that, that's a part of that. That needs to be rejected. And then there are things that we can redeem. Even we talked about it yesterday, that the, 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 the myth of Santa Claus is rooted in a historical church father and figure. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we can redeem and have conversations about the gospel and the true nature of Christ about. So uh, as Ryan said, I think there's wisdom to recognize that good, faithful Christians will decide <laughs> this question on both sides and uh, when i think we should refrain unlike that minister you mentioned yeah. from condemning uh, those who celebrate it or those who choose to refrain from it uh, but but thinking about what can we receive what what do we need to reject and then how can we redeem yesterday yesterday we were talking about saint nicholas and um you know he was he he was in a port city in myra and because of that uh, his generosity became well known and and his his name uh, became uh, revered. He was considered a, a saint, and uh, it was actually in Germany and the Netherlands that, that he became the, the patron saint of children, and it led to the idea that he gave gifts to, to children. And um, when, you know, the Reformation comes around, Martin Luther, you know, the the, the reformers began to re- reject uh, Saint Days because the Catholics had, uh, uh, you know, there was a prolifer- proliferation of Saint Days. So they reject the Saint Day. And, and uh, so Luther wanted to come up with another way of um, recognizing that. And so during that same period of time, he, his holiday was the holiday of the Christ child, uh, which uh, Christ Kindle 
you know, so he didn't quite solve the problem because then St. Nicholas became known as Chris Kringle instead of Christ Kendall, the, the Christ child. But, uh, you know, in, in all of that, um, you know, the, the Protestant basically, you know, did away with a feast day around St. Nicholas. But it, if, if you're actually celebrating uh, Christmas, you probably can thank the Dutch for that because uh, they're the ones that uh, revived that, that whole tradition of Christmas. Well, thank you. I'm the one non-Dutch person No, I'm here not again. Dutch. Well, uh, you're in a Dutch. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Church, well, thank so, you, Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you, Vinny. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you're very but welcome. I, I wanted to balance out, too. I mean, there, there's a side that I mentioned before yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, you know, why they do that. But I also, you know, my own take on it is as far as the liberty of conscience that we have. Mm-hmm. I do think that this there is. This could be the fourth R to Vinny's. It could be. The required. The required. There is, I believe, you know, biblical evidence that uh, that does give us a liberty of conscience to observe, and that's right. when we consider Christ's actual own life an example. We have evidence in John chapter ten that he was observing Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a feast that they, he was there in Jerusalem for that isn't in the Old Testament scriptures, and you know it's commonly believed that was the observe, observing of Hanukkah, which is a a feast that came about through what we call the intertestamental period and uh, God delivering his people that we don't have a record of in scripture, but there are writings outside of scripture that speak of it. And that holiday came from that. And uh, so there you have Jesus taking part in and observing a feast that he did not explicitly command. And then you also have a feast that's actually in scripture, but not commanded by God. And that's the, uh, day of Purim. And we read about that day. The whole book of Esther is about the day of Purim, but God never commands the people of God to observe the day of Purim. That's actually a command of Esther. But we also have evidence, you know, Jesus, I mean, by being growing up in a good Jewish home would have mm-hmm. observed uh, mm-hmm. that holiday. So the the Jews recognized in the, you know, the the, the church in that also that there are high holy days that are the holy days that God has explicitly said, you shall do this on such and such day. But then there were like lower holidays that, you know, holidays just means holy days, just holy days. Yeah. It that's not expressly commanded by God. But then when you have the testimony of scripture, the overarching testimony is Mm -hmm. God likes us to remember his mighty acts and the incarnation is one of his mighty acts. I said on a previous Sunday as we're dealing with Advent sermons, and I just said, we choose to pause and and think about the coming of Jesus Christ in the world and the fact that he's coming again, but this is not something that's required. It would be equally okay if we didn't. Mm -hmm. There's not a right or a wrong. It would be wrong for a church to mandate it. Yes. And so we sometimes gather on Christmas Day, but we don't require people to come. Mm -hmm. We don't. Um, call it a called service because we don't want to bind anybody's conscience. So that's the whole fourth R of the high idea of required that it it's an optional. And I would say it's a matter of conscience for each individual person and family about how they approach the celebration or non-celebration of Christmas. Well, Mm -hmm. something's missing. If at some point in the year, you don't talk about how Christ came into the world. 
you know, the, the, he that, that he that he became <laughs> right. flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, so there's there's always that. And you, you, when we talk about Advent, we're talking about two Advents. We're talking about mm-hmm. his coming into the world uh, as a man, his coming again. And, uh, you know, we point out um, that every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday, but every time we – Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do we proclaim His death until He comes. This is the second Advent that we're talking about. So, in one sense, Advent is about us at all the time. Yeah, it's but, interesting that I, I always wondered the, the December twenty fifth associated with a pagan holiday. I didn't find out until I was researching for this show that the the, the December twenty fifth date was actually. Because of the this belief held in both the the Western Church and the Eastern Church that Jesus Christ was born, conceived, and died on the same day, and that that day is March twenty fifth, and so the reason why they picked December twenty fifth for the celebration of his birth is because of this belief that was held in both the Western Church and the Eastern Church, independent of each other, mm-hmm. that his conception and death happened on the same day. There's and also, then, oh, And then okay. if you go nine months away, that's December 25. There's also the, the whole, I mean, the account in Luke of, of the birth of John the Baptist. I mean, you can, there is a, a clear calendar day that his father was there doing his duty. And then you can count off, you know, the conception and his uh, being in the womb. And then we have the record of, when he was six months in the womb, that's when Mary comes, and she's already can you know has conceived, and so you can do the math too, and that kind of gives you the day around winter of that year, December January. Well, starting tomorrow, we're going to start looking at. Well, starting next Monday, we'll start looking at the names and titles of Christ as we begin to hopefully help you celebrate Christmas in a way that is very biblical. We'll see you then.